Welcome to a new episode of Chapter Surfing. This month we are once again talking about A Game of Thrones by George R.R. R. Martin and the first season of the HBO series Game of Thrones. And my guest this time is Katie Wright, who hosts Bread East and Hell Yes. And of course, you also know her from previous episodes of this podcast discussing you and Dublin murders. <laughs> Katie, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy I'm here as well. It's it's wonderful to be back. Please take my listeners on a journey through your whole Game of Thrones experience. So, um, Game of Thrones splashed onto the scene um, when I was in college, and um, I sort of just missed it. Um, I watched the pilot in like a sort of timely fashion, like maybe when season two or three was airing. Uh, and I just never got into it, um, and it was like at the high, like everybody loved it at that point. Um, and I was like, I know I should be watching it, but I just couldn't invest myself in it. I saw the pilot for some reason like three different times, yeah. trying, trying to get into the show, and it just uh, it never took off for me. Um, and then I, uh, you, uh, you watch a lot of TV, um, so I ended up seeing seeing like bits and pieces of it uh, maybe I sat through a whole episode or two uh with you just kind of like out of order just because that was what you were watching um but and uh I developed like a little bit more fondness for it but still didn't feel motivated to sit down and watch it and then I think it was you were reading Game of Thrones for this very podcast for with um for your episode with Jack Allison and you were just like this book fucking slaps. <laughs> like you were, you really liked it, and you were tell, like texting me little t- tidbits from it and stuff. Um, so you sold me on it. I was still skeptical. I was like, okay, Lenny liked it, but I'm not gonna like it. Like I'm not a fantasy person, and it's like as long as the Bible. <laughs> but it, it slaps. <laughs> uh, so then I watched all of season one, and and my plan has been to read book two and then watch season two and so on in that manner but book two um was not not as much of a page turner so it hasn't really happened so mostly I'm just familiar with book one and season one um yeah I'm not I won't go into my journey with Game of Thrones in too much detail just because this is my second time talking about it on the podcast but I completely relate to you like seeing a lot of it and like seeing the pilot which you know should be the episode that sucks people in like multiple times and it's so interesting to me how much like I had seen it a fair amount and there was just really just a moment when it like clicked and I think like part of it is just that there's so many people there's so many people so many like motivations and um yeah, there's just, like, will eventually be a moment where you're like, oh, like, I know what's going on, so now it's a good show, which is, like, so funny to me because this is, like, one of the most popular shows of all time. Like, a lot of people watched that pilot and were immediately like, yeah, great, Ned and Rob and John, the whole gang, I'm, I'm totally on board. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, like, whatever, at least for me, um before I really got into it, it was like, you know, there'd be an individual character here Mm -hmm. or there who I would feel a connection to or 
they would something about how they look would seem distinct to me and I'd be like oh it's that guy like the obvious gimme is Tyrion yeah. I already loved Peter Dinklage going in um I think he was the only actor that I really knew from it at the time um so it's like oh yeah Tyrion like I know when he's in a scene so it's easier to track like who he is across different stuff but there's so many just like you know quietly handsome like not strikingly handsome but very indistinct like just British dudes yeah it's so hard it's so hard to keep them straight um I I think I was well into watching uh, I had seen quite a few episodes of, of season one kind of out of order before I really registered that, like, um, John, uh, John Snow and, um, crap, not Brandon Stark, um, okay, yeah, I had, I had seen, like, several clips and, like, scenes, um, and partial episodes kind of out of order, as well as the pilot that I just didn't track that well, um, like, I had seen quite a bit of it before I realized that Rob and Jon Snow were, like, two different Yeah, me guys. too. I would, I would really sometimes be like, he's so much better looking in this scene. And it was like, no, it is yes. a different guy. You know, I think I had the same thing with Renly. I think all three of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's an insane amount of, like, even, like, even by, like, white men around the same age standards just like way too similar looking. Yeah, yeah they're very it it just feels like <laughs> my instinct was like oh yeah they're all from england like it's a small island there's not that much genetic diversity but like i don't know people from england now are from all over so i don't know what i don't have a good explanation other than that just being like their type i mean yeah. i guess it makes sense that rob and and john are Brothers, yeah. but. but it's funny that in the book it's like a plot point that John like doesn't fit in with his family right. and it's like no this guy is identical right oh yeah in the book like everyone else is a redhead yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny um yeah I feel like part of the like um backlash to Game of Thrones other than that it did get worse I don't want to <laughs> underplay that the equality did get worse but I feel like there was sort of this thing where because it is really hard to like start tracking everyone and get into it that makes people feel like oh this like shows too smart for me uh-huh. I like I have to like be smarter and then like once you understand it enough to be like this is pretty stupid like I feel like people felt betrayed by that it's like Fair. no it's it's not smart it is just complicated yeah. it's Degrassi <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Definitely. It definitely did feel like when I was first trying to watch it and and like not latching on, it felt like it felt like I was failing. Like I'm it felt like I was trying to read a novel and I was like feeling stupid. And then when I was uh, when I was actually reading the novel, it was just like a party. <laughs> it, was, it did not feel like homework. Yeah, and I said this uh, on the last Game of Thrones episode, but, like, when you're reading the book, it's just so nice that books are allowed to be like, he was angry that that guy said that for the following reasons. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and, like, usually, I'm a big, uh, fans of Katie Wright will know, I'm a big reader. (laughs) I usually don't really like writing that does that. Like, it can feel... 
it, it feels a little uh, a little easy, like a little lazy, but there's just something about the way, like the way Game of Thrones is written it is like, for the most part, like very straightforward and it will, it doesn't really like play games with you. Um, it just like gives you the info, but it just like does it really well. And it, like the whole time I was reading it, I was like, man, this is like, a style of writing, like I teach creative writing workshops, this is like a style of writing I would have like advised a student against, <laughs> like, oh, work that into a scene somewhere, <laughs> don't just like say it. Um, but it's, no, it's great, like it doesn't matter. If you write it well, it doesn't matter. And he wrote it, it's really entertaining, it's really captivating. Yeah, I think this does, this sort of experience of reading and watching it does really um, make you appreciate the virtues of like just telling people the information. I know that's like considered a big no-no. And I sort of had like one of the big struggles I've had as a writer is I feel like I really, really took the like show don't tell thing to heart. And I got a lot of feedback where people were like, why isn't this person like feeling anything? Why aren't they having like any reaction? And I'd be like, cause I'm not supposed to tell you. Um, But uh, yeah, in Game of Thrones, you really like appreciate that it's like, yeah, it is good that George R.R. R. Martin is like, here is why this is dramatic. And like seeing the translation on the show, um, this isn't their fault because it's just like a different medium. But the fact that it's like so many scenes are either like you literally do not know what's happening or it's like that scene where like Tyrion is talking to Theon and is like, oh yeah, 20 years ago, your family led a rebellion and that led to you living as the Starks ward. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, it's a different medium, it feels different. Yeah, um, yeah, it's such, it's such a different experience watching bits and pieces of the show before reading the book and and then watching the show after reading the book um because it's just like like once I had read the book I was like oh these characters all have like inner lives yeah. like every single one of them is a unique individual with their own like struggles and desires and like and, like god bless them I think it's a good show but like 90% of that stuff just doesn't come across. And I mean, it can't, it's, you know, it's, it's a, like 1200 page book, <laughs> but like, yeah, there's just like so much depth of character and so much kind of like, like reasons for people doing things. Like people aren't just doing things because like, oh, I got assigned this task and like, this is the quest we do. Like everybody has really complex alliances and motivations for doing things. Um, and I wouldn't want to try to translate that <laughs> complex mesh of stories into a television show. Um, somebody else did, and, like, it's not bad, but it is, like, it feels like a companion piece to the book. Like, yes. I, I don't think it stands on its own two legs very well. Yeah, one of the things I'm really interested in is sort of, like, what order you should approach, um these sort of like multimedia things in because there's I feel like no there's like no one answer for different things like sometimes you're like you will hate the show if you read the book first and um and Game of Thrones is so funny because it's like I genuinely feel like the best way to experience it is to watch the show and not like it that much so that when you read the book you'll like be able to keep the characters apart because you're picturing them (laughs) And then watch the show again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I think I think the way I did it, where you just kind of catch bits and pieces, and your friend tells you about some characters, <laughs> and then you read the book, and then you watch the show. I think that's the way to do it because the book still had like a lot of surprises for me. You know, I um the like I knew how the series ended when I read the book, and I knew a lot of spoilers from it, but I didn't know I didn't, like didn't know everything just because. There's too much. Like, nobody could spoil everything for me because, like, so much stuff happened. So I was, like, you know, I <laughs> I had the wrong... I knew there's the joke about, like, Sean Bean always dies, but I was wrong about who Sean Bean was. <laughs> so I didn't realize Ned was going to die. I thought Sean Bean played Jamie Lannister. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I had just, like, a world of, of surprises ahead of me. Um, I'm not a big, like, spoiler-phobe. Um... But it was, you know, it was fun. It was fun to, like, not know where things were going and to be surprised. Be surprised when Littlefinger turned against Ned. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was... That's the way to do it. Just, like, watch 20 out-of-context Game of Thrones clips in book one, watch the season. Yeah, I had, like, the first time I experienced the show, because I didn't, like, sit down and binge it all or, like, watch it week to week. I was, like, doing... Uh, random shit for random reasons. Like, I think I recapped season three and, like, <laughs> just shit like that. Um, so I, the first time I experienced it, had, like, the completely wrong reaction to Ned's death. Like, basically no reaction because he just, like, didn't seem like a big deal to me. Yeah. And then, like, listening to people talk about it and being like, it's crazy. Like, he seemed like the protagonist of the show and they killed him off early. I was like, oh okay and like similarly I like I really liked Cersei because like first off you can tell who she is because she's not a brunette man um (laughs) but like I really liked Cersei and when people would say like she's a villain I would be like I mean everyone on that show just like wants power like why are you uh beating up on Cersei and then like reading the book I was like Especially with, like, when you realize who the POV characters are, you're like, okay, I see how Cersei's the villain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting because it's, like, Jamie and Cersei, you know, conspire to murder a child um, to cover up their incest, um, which incest is their own business, but I cannot endorse the uh, uh, killing of a child, certainly. Sure. Um, Attempted. Attempted, yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. and it's like, yeah, that is horrible. But also the the show and the show open the pilot opens with our like POE character, <laughs> noble Ned Stark, like making his son, his like seven year old son, <laughs> ten year old son, watch him execute a man for like running for his life from ice zombies. <laughs> so it's like that's not a ton better. Uh, like, yeah, so it totally makes sense how you wouldn't, like, immediately be like, oh, Ned Stark is noble and the Lannisters are bad. Like, uh, is this just, like, lawful evil, chaotic evil? <laughs> um, I wanted to say when we were talking about, um, how, like, the, the book explains so much more, one of the scenes that really stands out to me that's like that is, um, when Daenerys is like, I don't want to marry him, I want to go home. In the book, it, like, specifically is like, she just meant, like, go back to Lyrio's palace because that's where she's been living, obviously. And I was, like, when I read that in the book, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. But, like, I was kind of, like, like, I was not on Viserys' side in that conversation, but I did think, like, I want to go home was just, like, a dumb thing for Daenerys yeah. to say. Uh, it was like, well, we can't. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. There's, like,
like a lot of like little moments like that where it's just like the book like explains exactly what the dialogue means in a way that you just can't on a TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, so who would you say is your favorite character in in the book? And then is that different in the show? That's a really good question. Um, so I would say my gut reaction to favorite character um, won't surprise you, might surprise the listener. Um, Littlefinger, this is a Littlefinger household. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad we're doing this because um, I'm pretty sure with Jack Allison, we literally did not mention Littlefinger, which wow. is so crazy. That's which cool. also I just think like goes to show how great Game of Thrones is that like you can do a full podcast on it and it's like, yeah, there's 25 good characters. So <laughs> yeah, so Littlefinger, I mean like, I'll admit it, I just love like a sniveling <laughs> villain. Um, I'm just like super horny for him. <laughs> He's exactly my type. Um, I think if I'm just like, and I'm all, I'm close to as horny for him, but he's, um, you know, he's not it's so disgusting, so he doesn't do it for me as much. Um, if I'm picking just like the character, I think just is like the best character. Um, Tyrion um, is my favorite and uh, and nearly as sexy as Littlefinger. <laughs> um, yeah, I think t- I think Tyrion's an incredible character, and I also really love Arya. That's my like top. Um, yeah, that's those are my like top tier characters. Uh, but and is that the same for the book and the show? Oh yeah, good question. <clears throat> um, I would say for the show, um, yeah, it's still like okay, I'm. I'm, I'm into I'm into Littlefinger the most. I get the most excited when Littlefinger's on screen. Um, I think Tyrion almost equally sexy and a more compelling character. Yeah, so I feel those things very strongly. Um, I Arya doesn't pop quite as much yeah. for me in the show as in the book. So she um, she doesn't get the honorable mention for the show. Like she I she's totally fine. But she's a, it's a great performance from like a child that small mm-hmm. and. You know, I have no complaints. It's just, she, that's just one of, her, like, inner life is just one of the things that gets yeah. flattened in the translation. I think TV show Arya is a very, like, sort of typical of that time sort of character where I felt like they thought they were doing a good job by making her just, like, this really confident, like, competent badass who's like, I I just want to be a tomboy and I don't want anything else. And, like, when I read the book, I was so moved and, like, really related to the parts where she, like, she, like, does sort of want to be Sansa. And, like, I think that's really important to talk about with, like, with people who are, like, gender non-conforming it's like yeah like I don't literally want to be a girl but obviously I am like very aware of how much more convenient it would be if I was a girly girl like yeah and she's got a very yeah she's got a very like Ramona the pest type of thing um like she she she's like tries to fit in sometimes and then it's just like yeah because of who she is it's just like everything she tries just like blows up in her face and then everybody's in trouble and everybody's like Aria why'd you do that she's like no I'm doing my best 
Um, yeah, and I think in the show she's much more of just like a little stinker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much more just kind of like confidently like, no, I'm not, I'm gonna do things my way, <laughs> rather than having this kind of, like real turmoil of like I can't do anything right and nobody likes me and everybody thinks I'm weird, but. <laughs> Is is just a very relatable, uh, a very relatable ten, twelve year old girl type of way to feel. Yeah. Um, and like I don't, I don't care too much about the casting, other than the like inconvenience of John and Rob looking similar. But I did really love the detail in the book that she just like happens to look more like her father, but because. John is the only one who looks like her. She like assumed that meant she was a bastard also. Right. So sweet and really just like adds to their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they do have, they have like a special bond, even Mm -hmm. though in the book, even though in the book, like she obviously by that point knows she's not a bastard. (laughs) That's from like when she was younger. But it does seem like she has the kind of feeling of like, yeah, John and I are the outsiders. Yeah. We're the ones who don't fit in. And and you get little bits of that in the show, but it's, yeah, it's just another thing that kind of go, disappears into the background. Um, but yeah, they, their relationship is really great in the book, really sweet. And her contentious relationship with Sansa, I think, is also stronger in the book, like, I was just, I really was at every turn, like, fucking Sansa, this poor bitch. And then, like, when we jump into Sansa's perspective, I was like, oh, Sansa. But, you know, I really, when it was in Arya's perspective, I really felt for Arya, like, oh, what is wrong with Sansa? Joffrey's not even cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really love book Sansa and like in the show I think she has some really she still has some good moments like when um when she asks that woman where she's from and the woman starts to answer and she's like wait I just remembered I don't care like that's something that like reminds me of book Sansa because like the thing that is so fun to me about book Sansa is that like she like you feel for her so much she obviously has this unbelievably tragic story like uh, even more so than most Game of Thrones characters. And I love the idea of them being like, what if that char- that like tragic character with this really sympathetic story was also Regina George? Yeah. Like, and not in like a vindictive way. Like, you're not like, yeah, she's getting it for her sins. It's just like really fun. <laughs> yeah, it is really. And it is so like interesting reading it um, and and being like, Oh, I like I remember this girl from my middle school. Yeah, but but it's like medieval fantasy times. <laughs> but it she feels like so like oh I can so easily picture her in like a little denim skirt and like a, t- a, a crop top that she gets in trouble with from the principal, <laughs> and and her like we get a lot more kind of expounding on her obsession with knights and the songs the the ballads. Um, and it's like, oh, the song. She's always like, oh, it's like a knight from the songs. And it's like, you know, those are her movies. Yeah. <laughs> and she's she's just like this girl who's like super into Twilight. And, <laughs> and is like, someday Robert Pattinson and I are going to get married. And she just, it's such a, it's just such a like funny, in a great way. Just like, oh, tweens have never changed in history. Yeah, and it's just like such an interesting take to being like, to just be like, the stakes of being the prettiest rich 
the prettiest, richest girl at your middle school were like so high. It was like, yeah, you're the prettiest, richest girl at your middle school, so you're going to get human trafficked, basically. <laughs> like, that's what this time was like. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate... It's interesting how the show aged everybody up. Mm. Um, and I do... There are moments in the show where I'm like, oh, you know what? If they were younger, that would hit a little... Like, the, the one thing I think of the most with that is um, Rob having to take over for yes. his dad. Like, he's an, a, just an adult <laughs> man. And it's like, okay, I guess you're, like, inexperienced. But in the, in the book, he's... What is he, 13, 14? When yeah. he has to take over Winterfell? And you just picture this kid with, like, his voice changing. He's like... Excuse me, I'm the lord of this manor. <laughs> like all these knights. So that is like something that they lose by aging everybody up. But there is so much when you're reading the book. There are so many times where you're like, Ew, "This is kind of sexy," and then you're like, "Oh no, wait, that goes twelve." <laughs> like, um, like Khaleesi is. I think she's 13. Yeah. Um, Sansa gets married off when she's like 11. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I feel like the, the show goes grosser in a lot of places. Um, mm. And I do appreciate that when they chose to like, you know, add, add more weird sex stuff <laughs> or, or at least like go more in depth on weird sex stuff. They were also like, how about the majority of this cast is just kind of grown-ups, <laughs> and then there's, like, two teenagers. <laughs> yeah, the the aging the aging stuff definitely affects things. I think, like, Daenerys' story is still good because, obviously, that's just, like, such an insane thing to happen to anyone. Like, <laughs> like no one's going to be like, well, she's 20, so right. whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Rob is definitely the one where you, like, look at Richard Madden and you're like, just lead an army. Like, what's the right. big deal? <laughs> fucking pussy. Yeah. yeah, and same with Jon Snow. Like, oh, yeah. They... Yeah, it's it's the same, like, yeah, I mean, you've, you've gotten conscripted to, like, the military in the middle of Siberia, and that sucks, but in the book, it's, like, fucking Dickensian, like, just a little, just a little 13-year-old boy, like, defending, you know, when the, when that shitty commander of the night's watch is like they're gonna tell you you're knights but you're just little boys it's like it's harder in the book because they are literally 12 yeah (laughs) and i also think like um his decision like makes more sense and is more relatable in the book because you're like yeah as a kid I definitely like had times when I was like I wish I was like a nurse in World War II like for sure yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) so it's just like him being like oh my my uncle's in the Night's Watch I'll just do that you're like absolutely of course when it's a 13 year old boy and like then when you watch the show you're like I mean no yeah what is wrong with you Jon Snow you can just leave like you're a grown up you're happy just like yeah like he could just like marry a lady and then live in a castle yeah oh this this is a bit of a of a side note but you're you're talking about yeah how how when you're a tween you'll just be like oh if only i lived through the great depression i could be a hobo um it makes me think of the the like tiktok kids who will do the thing of like if i was in the holocaust they do a little like front-facing video of like this is me if my girlfriend was Anne Frank or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's definitely Jon Snow's energy. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, he, I feel like you don't appreciate 
appreciate this much in as much in the show. Um, but it was just like a day when he was like, I want to join the Night's Watch. And then like, it was like someone should have stopped there from being followed through on that. Yeah. There's also, I feel like, and, and now I can't remember, you know, maybe they hit the same story notes in the, um, in the show and it just like didn't affect me as much because he's not a child. Um, but there's a, you get a much stronger sense of like his uncle like duped him. Yeah. Um, was, was like, yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to be a knight, like in all the songs. And then as soon as they're up North, he's like, fuck off. Like, leave me alone. You're, you're fucking trash now. You're like, go scrub the latrine or whatever. Um, and yeah, it just feels like a lot less, brutal uh to do that to like a 19 year old <laughs> you shouldn't have uh yeah that's i honestly when i was um when i was reading the book i was like oh interesting that they add this like uncle character who convinces <laughs> him to go because on the in the pilot he just decides to go and then when i watched it i was like oh no that guy's still there he just yeah. did not make an impression <laughs> on me um so that says something <laughs> about the emotional stakes of that character that interaction in the show yeah i wonder if it had, what might have been better if the show was like paced more like sort of like like the book has different um narr uh not narrators i think it's all third person but different pov characters each chapter and it almost like feels like there could have been like john episode Tyrion episode but then it is also like i get that like if I, you know, turn on TV Guide and it's like, tonight's episode is a net episode, I would be less excited. So yeah. it's sort of this, like, um, thing where it's like, yeah, everyone gets a little bit of their favorite character each week and, like, you're not going to fully explore their motivation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. There's not, like, a, a simple right answer. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah this is generally sort of my least favorite type of adaptation and it's usually like miniseries that do this the most like you know like your pride and prejudice like that kind of thing of just like we're just gonna do the book but like a lot less detailed um but game of thrones is an instance where i sort of like don't know what else i would do unless they're just like fully like we're gonna do like an original show that is ju just like in King's Landing which I think like if they had known they weren't gonna get like eight seasons is definitely what they should have done <laughs> but I can see how early on you would be like obviously we're gonna do like the great story from these books yeah it is it is so interesting like it is so hard to to exactly articulate how I feel about it because I am like the show is not as good as the book the show like doesn't quite stand on its own but I do think it's, like, a good adaptation. Yeah. It just, it's an adaptation for people who read the book. <laughs> yeah, there are, I think there is a certain genre of adaptation where it's, like, <clears throat> your job is for it to look good and for the casting to be good. Like, it's just, like, fully a supplement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was, and I when we were talking about, um, sort of the aging up of characters, I feel like even aside from that, um all the characters are just like less vulnerable. And I feel like this is something I've noticed a lot, especially since like I started like reading more and doing this podcast is just, I feel like um, 
a lot of things on screen, characters just don't have the vulnerability that they should. And I think it's probably just because, like, you know, if you're, like, confident and charismatic enough to be, like, the person in the audition who, like, gets the role, it's like, you will maybe not convey that this person is fucking falling apart. Yeah. We can't all be Jeremy Strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I do think almost every character feels a lot more just, like, hardened and, like, yeah, I, I go on my journey and I do my duty because it's medieval times. Um, but when you read the book, it's like everybody has some kind of raw emotional wound. Um, I think Littlefinger suffers from that mm-hmm. in his adaptation a lot. Littlefinger's truly the, the greatest victim of all here. Um, he's like, his, his backstory's really sad. Yeah. And you get a little bit of it, like when he introduces himself to Ned, he's like, oh yeah, your brother cut me in half. Um, but you really delve into, like, his deep humiliations in yeah. the book in a way that makes him a really compelling character. Um, like, that he's, his whole thing is being this, like, unruffled, like, unctuous guy now. And he's, like, he's just, like, the most pathetic nerd in the entire world. Yeah, even though Aiden Gillen is absolutely a little twerp, I do not want to insult how small... And how incredibly <laughs> pathetic and twerpy he is. But it's still like it cannot measure up to how much of a little twerp little figure is in the book. Yes. I realized he reminds me so much. When we were rewatching it last night, I realized he reminds me so much of the character in that King of the Hill episode, the archaeologist. <laughs> Yeah, we're at the end. Um, for those of you who haven't seen that, this episode ends with uh, Hank just like shoving this guy into a pit over and over and over, and the guy just keeps being like, "You're actually the one who looks stupid now," and like that's entirely Littlefinger's deal. And I'm also this is not the first time I've compared Ned to Hank Hill because I also <laughs> feel like he is generally Hank Hill, and Robert is clearly his uh, Buck Strickland. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's such a more interesting, he's such a more interesting character in the book, and he's still, like, his thing is being uninteresting, but it is, like, they, it's, like, oh, he's, like, dutiful to a fault, to the point where it's almost funny, like, yeah, he is, like, a Hank Hill, just, like, well, I, well, I do what's required of me, obviously, (laughs) and it's, like, and he does that into his own grave yeah (laughs) Um, yeah it's um yeah he's totally uh you totally lose that and he just becomes you know a a leading man just like a stoic heroic man who tragically dies um but the yeah the book just really captures how um just how pathetic everyone is everyone every single one of them yeah um yeah Ned is definitely the character that it sort of took me the longest to get but I now do really appreciate him as just like this this fucking by the book guy and I feel like they really captured something about uh politics like the the just like him dying for fucking Stannis um just like I, I feel like because of like when I read it, it just like reminds me so much of sort of like that atmosphere around like January sixth and that whole time where it was just like, am I gonna die fighting for Biden? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Yeah, our rightful president. We have a right to be ruled by. 
show. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That's a really good point. Yeah, fucking the more things change, the more they stay the same. Man. Yeah, yeah. The I feel like the commentary in this book holds up incredibly well because he didn't try to do anything too specific. It's just like, yeah, all politicians are like witch weirdos who will like actively ignore the obvious problems in the kingdom. Like I think the that conversation when Daenerys says that the common people want Viserys to be king, so precious. Um, and just like that response of like, no, like the common people want like food to eat is so good. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think maybe part of why it holds up so well um, is because, and I don't actually know that this is true, but this is what I heard, um, that it's based off of like a bunch of history mm. of um, like medieval French political turmoil and like almost everything. This is what my sister told me, so blame her if she's wrong. But she said that like almost everything is a thing that happened, mm. except he just like threw dragons in there. Um, so it might just be yeah. Part of it is that like yeah, he, just human nature <laughs> <Yeah>. doesn't change. <laughs> like, that's, that's what people are like. Um, but yeah, it really does. It really does feel, um, it really feels like it hits on something about human nature. And I think that that is another thing that you kind of miss, you kind of lose in the show. It doesn't feel as much like, oh yeah, that's society (laughs) for you. It just feels more like, I am watching a television (laughs) show. (laughs) Yeah, especially because like, this sort of like whole, like, fandom it felt like there was like a one-to-one of like having a favorite character and like wanting them to rule (laughs) and it's just like like I love Daenerys so much like that's an unbelievably good story like what happens to her is incredible but it's like there's literally no reason she would be a good queen like there's no reason to think that other than that like she says she's against slavery it's like okay i guess that's good to not be like on the record as pro-slavery right yeah (laughs) uh yeah and i think one thing that i do like about the books um which again i have not read beyond book one but what i understand of the books um now, the final book has not come out, and perhaps never will, um, and I kind of think, like, that's the way, it feels like this, that's the way this world should be experienced. Yeah. It's a huge, sprawling, socio-political story. There's never gonna be, like, a neat ending, or, like, a satisfying end, because it's just, like, a picture of a society, and it just goes on until, <laughs> unless they're gonna do, like, an apocalypse episode. Um, but yeah, like, it's so funny... To, for the show to end with, like, oh, Bran <laughs> takes the throne. Um, and uh, it, and it's, like, I know, like, people are disappointed that, that Bran takes the throne, but it's also, like, yeah, fucking, it might as well be Bran. <laughs> Who cares? Like, the like it feels like the point of the book mm-hmm. is, like, there shouldn't be a throne. You know, it's always going to be bad. It's always going to be bad to have a king. <laughs> Um, and anybody who gets it is going to not deserve it and be an asshole who abuses their power in one way or another or or is an absentee and, you know, fails to live up to their duty to the people one way or the other or both. Um, yeah, so there's, like, there's not a good place to end it. And it is, it does sort of feel like a world that should just 
be allowed to kind of exist indefinitely. And I kind of hope that last book never comes out and it just, like, stays hanging. <laughs> yeah, that feels like it's sort of like what you're signing on for when you start writing fantasy in 1994 is like, yeah, I'll just get to like imagine these people forever and just have all my little Game of Thrones stories and it just like uh, worked out in such a way that now people are like, oh, I'm so interested in this story of who's going to end up on the throne. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's the wrong way to think about it. Like, I personally... Yes, I would love to see Littlefinger get the throne because that would be hilarious. Um, That would be a huge fuck you to every single character. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, in another way, I'm just like, I don't give a shit. Like, who cares who's the king? I just want to see these people. I want to see these people fight over who gets to be the king. I don't want to see one of them become king. Yeah. I used to be Tumblr friends with someone who would always talk about how she wants Sansa and Littlefinger to end up a power couple ruling the kingdom together. And I'm, yeah, I'm honestly like, if you're gonna like root for an ending, it should be that level. Like if you're just like, Daenerys should be queen, I'm not gonna respect you. Yeah, I think it's definitely preferable to be like, this would make me horny rather than like, I think this one's the rightful ruler. None of them are. Just pick which would make you horny. Yes. Um, In terms of the season one slash book one story, I think that plays out really well with like, I think the story works if you just think of it as like, you know, Ned is a really good person fighting for what's proper and Littlefinger and varies are pieces of shit. It's like, that is all correct. (laughs) But it's also like so funny when you think about just like how much they're splitting hairs where it's just like, like Ned's thing is just that like Stannis is older and like varies and Littlefinger, like give him a chance and are like, this would be a solid plan. Renly is really popular. And Ned doesn't, like, have any arguments that are like, you know, Stannis would feed people. Stannis would protect people. Um, So you're just like, I cannot believe this motherfucker, like, risked himself and his entire family over, like, well, Stannis was born first. And I feel like it would be more understandable if, like, the Baratheons had ruled for a really long time. But it's like, Stannis' brother has been king for, like, a a few years after a completely different family was running things. Yeah. Yeah, he is truly just a rules guy. (laughs) Yeah. He is, yeah, it is hilarious. Yeah, when you really think about it, like... And you never really hear him be like, you know, the, oh, the, the gods have selected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just really doesn't feel like he has or feels that he needs <laughs> any kind of justification for this being his morality. He's just like, well, if it is the law, then <laughs> it is morality. Um, and, <laughs> you know, he's not as bad as some people who, <laughs> who are like, oh, you know, if it's the law, then that's the law. That's what you do. <laughs> but it is like, you know, he's not, it's not great. He's, <laughs> like, I think, um, I think Varys has, like, a much stronger yeah. moral center, even though he's, like, shifty, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, and even, even Littlefinger, at least, is, like, pragmatic, and yeah. is, like, okay, you know, I want to shore up my own position, so what, what 
pieces can I put in place to like make things good for me but but <laughs> Ned is just like well they said they said that it's the firstborn son. It's not the firstborn son. But it has to be the firstborn son. Yeah, he's dumb as shit. Yeah. It's also like it's everything that's ever shaped his life. Like he's in the, in the book. I feel like he and Cat have a much more kind of like uneasy married. Like they've sort of eased into being happily married over the years, just out of necessity. But it, they're very. It's very much like. Neither of them really wanted to get married, and it's just like, she was supposed to marry his brother who died, and then he was like, well, it's my duty to marry. At like 18 years old or whatever, he's like, well, because my brother was betrothed to her, I have to marry her. It's like, he didn't have to, you know? And she didn't especially want that either. Like, they both had other people that they cared about. Um, but yeah, he's just, he just takes takes orders from the top and does not question them. He's a good soldier. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pete. Let's let's hear it for Ned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, Varys uh, having like a stronger moral center, um, which I think would be interesting to talk about because he it is striking to me that he is like basically the only like anti-war character in the book, which is like mainly because he's like one of the only ones who's not like extremely extremely highborn so he's just like hey guys i just wanted to let you know that when a war breaks out it's bad <laughs> like it's not a good experience yeah yeah that's a really good point yeah i i hadn't necessarily connected those things but yeah he's like fyi there are human stakes here <laughs> it's not just like drawing lines on a map <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, and I, I really like the way the way Varys is introduced as like you know a, a creepy scheming weirdo um, on on a level with Littlefinger, um, and they have their uneasy alliance in their weird way. Uh, but then like as you go on, you're like, well, they are like <laughs> their interests align a fair amount of the time, but they are like opposite <laughs> in their heart like various really it really feels like various cares about like what becomes of society as a whole um yeah and there's not a lot of character even the characters i think are good people they are still just like driven by like i want to promote mm-hmm. my house or i want to secure my own position yeah and he's like thinking about <laughs> society um he, he, he should be the king if anybody (laughs) i think you could make a really you like there are so many parts of this book that they could have pulled out and made a tv show which almost in some ways would be better than this like huge epic ensemble and i definitely think like the small council like it's just so interesting that they're so different but they have that moment where if it weren't for fucking ned they would have been all united on like uh like Varys wants to avoid war and uh, Littlefinger wants to fuck a teenager with a very circuitous plan. And uh, and Renly is just like, well, I should be king because I'm like a hot, cool jock. And then they just have like a beautiful moment where they all have the same end game. Yeah, yeah. There's that, there's that meme of the two powerful hands. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
that would be a great show because there's such it's such an interesting like <laughs> mix of personalities um and I re I do really like how they have that kind of um like very friendly and also like I will absolutely kill you in a heartbeat like combination that like very politician-y like oh yeah you know uh, like the Democrats get beers with the Republicans or whatever but also like I'm I will destroy you. <laughs> like, it's just, like, a very interesting tension. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. Um, yeah, and it's, like, really fun that, like, nobody really likes Littlefinger, but, like, you kind of have to have him around, and, like, Redley is super cool, but, like, not, like, super smart. <laughs> yeah, I love when they, like, uh, when Littlefinger and Renly try to like own each other, it's always so funny because I feel like uh, Renly will just like accurately be like, "You have no friends and you're a weird little creep and everyone hates you and no one would care if you died tomorrow." And Littlefinger is just always like, "Well, you're fucking a hot guy." Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Renly, I wish they had cast a hotter guy. I know. I think. Yeah, Renly and Loras are very disappointing, and I want to give credit. I haven't seen Renly in anything else, but like, I've seen Loras in other stuff, and he's a lot hotter than he is on the show, which is weird because like Loras's personality is like so so much hotter than any other character he's played. But I feel like there's something where. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But yeah, those uh, those characters. I think are super disappointing. Um, when Game of Thrones is like genu- generally, I think like phenomenally well cast. Um, but yeah, like they just like do not have it. And I feel like there are like Renly Loris scenes that I like watched a couple times before being like, hey, this is conceptually unbelievably hot. They <laughs> just like don't have yeah. chemistry. Like the scene where he's shaving him. Yeah. Yeah, like, it doesn't really pop. That whole like sequence where like uh, Loras is like, mm, you know, you should be king and then like cuts him and then blows him. It's like, that's crazy. That's like the hottest scene ever conceived on TV. But you watch it and you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does not quite land. And I also feel like, aside from, like, not having chemistry, there's this sort of annoying thing where I feel like, in the book, what is so fun about Renly and Loris is that they are just, like, these hot, hot jocks. Like, they're yeah. just, like, confident bullies. And, like, Ned even thinks that, like, Renly reminds him exactly of Robert, who's, like, this, like, cool party guy who fucked a bunch of ladies. And I feel like the show did this, like kind of offensive thing (laughs) where the acting is just very much like oh they're gay got it (laughs) yeah and it's just like has to like very well-meaning straight actors (laughs) i don't actually know that they're both straight but they have straight vibes they do (laughs) um yeah and it's so weird because it's just like these guys who are like like, Loris is a knight who, like, beheads other men. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, the idea that these, like, two knights who are, like, deeply closeted in this time would just, like, act like Will and Grace characters right. is so weird. Yeah. And I think, like, what is sort of, like, fun about the small council is that, like, 
Littlefinger and Varys seem gay. Like they're the ones who are very like, oh, I'm wearing my elaborate robe and I'm like, I'm like that. And then like Renly comes in and is like, I'm gonna punch everybody in the face, <laughs> which is like, like that's like super basic. Like I don't want to like give like George R. R. Martin too much credit because that's like a very obvious subversion of expectations. But it's like super fun, yeah. and I feel like the show really like flattens out that aspect. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I also. I just think, like, yeah, it, it's in the acting, and also the casting is, like, there's nothing special about when you look at Renly, or, or Loris, either. Like, it's like, yeah, you know what? Everybody on the show is a working actor. Like, everybody is technically handsome, and he's like, okay, equally technically handsome. Like, uh, maybe le- Renly's like, mm, less handsome than Jon Snow, maybe more handsome than Rob, you know, just like yeah. depending on what your personal tastes yeah. are. Um, and it, when you read the book, it's like, oh, this guy should be like a suit, like Superman. Like yes. this should be like Brandon Routh or somebody, <laughs> uh, just like fucking hair, fl- Disney Prince <laughs> hair flying on a steed. And he's just like, you know, he could play a character like Xander Harris. Yeah. Without me <laughs> objecting at all. Like he's, he looks like your friend from high school who you never thought about it, but then one day you were like, oh, maybe he is acceptably cute. Maybe I'll go on a date with him. He's, <laughs> like, not special. Yeah, um, and, like, same with Loris. Like, one of the, like, things that's, like, so fun about Loris is, like, Sansa, like, attends the joust, and she just, like, sees Loris and is like, I am going to come. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's. I feel like this happens a lot in in um, in anything where a character needs to be like crazy hot. Um, it's like, yeah, you know what? I bet the person that you cast is crazy hot, but you're also just like working in the mainstream like film and TV world, <laughs> yeah. and so everybody is crazy hot, so it just looks like they're average. <laughs> like if you're not going to scale everybody else's hotness down and have them look more normal, then you need to be, like, unbelievably, like, insanely, grotesquely picky about who you cast as a hot person. Um, And and it's just so much easier when you're reading the book to be like, okay, yeah, like, most of these people are, like, normal people, and then this one guy looks like Prince Eric from Little Mermaid. Got it. Um, Yeah, so it's definitely disappointing. Um, It's, like, the only gay rep on the show, and it's, it's a letdown. It's also just, like, so unfortunate. Like, when you watch the show, you're just like, Sansa has the worst taste of all time. And then it's like, in the book, it's like, yeah, obviously she's more horny for Joffrey and Loras than Tyrion, because Tyrion's, like, a goofy, like, he's, like, a cartoon man where, like, no human has ever looked and acted like that. Yeah, yeah. in the book, it seems like you're supposed to be picturing, like, Quasimodo except also a dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, this man is just, like, four feet tall and crazy handsome. Like, yeah. please grow up. Like, yeah, like, they had to add in that moment where Sansa says she doesn't want to marry him, and Marjorie's like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. Gets it. and yeah, Joffrey and Loras are just absolute fucking flops. Yeah. You're like, just marry Tyrion or honestly Littlefinger. Like, why not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, is, it is very tragic that, like, you know, she's, 
she's so rightfully like weirded out by Littlefinger, uh, but those those same instincts do not serve her with <laughs> with Joffrey. Like she would have been so much better off <laughs> running away from Joffrey and, be, and being like, okay, I guess Littlefinger's my best bet. <laughs> This is going a bit back to when we were talking about how the show doesn't capture uh, the patheticness of every character. And I just want to give a huge shout out to Viserys. Because I've also been wanting to backtrack. Go ahead. Yes. yes, Like, Harry Lloyd is so handsome and does, like, have definitely, like, that sort of, like, charisma and confidence. And yet, just, like... That character just oozes the most getting owned super hard energy. Yeah. And it's a perfect translation. Yeah, like, absolutely. If it weren't for him, if I hadn't seen the show first, I don't know if I even would have pictured Viserys as, like, pretty. I probably would have yeah. been like, oh, Daenerys is, like, gross older brother. But it, like, works so well. He's, like, he's, like, this super hot guy who fucks, but you're still just, like, this is the silliest most pathetic man who has ever lived yeah absolutely um he's like yeah I feel like in the book I really and I thought he was like a great villain in the, in the book mm. he, like he's really great in both versions um but in the book he definitely j- had like a very pure like lemon grab yeah adventure time <laughs> energy like <laughs> like I I didn't take a lot of time to picture him as hot. Like, I was sort of picturing him the way I knew he looked on the show, but he doesn't have, like, a sexual chemistry, really, in the book. Um, he's He just says his recurring catchphrase of, like, you're going to wake the dragon, uh, and, like, tries to whip his sister with a belt. <laughs> um, yeah, he it is, like, a great, a great audition in the show that they made him very sexy and and still just like a mess and the worst person in the world (laughs) and i i'm tempted to say like you know it's hard to say exactly what what alchemy um is at play here but i'm tempted to say i think harry lloyd gives the best performance in the show wow i really i wish there was more of him Mm -hmm. um but i just i really feel like he brings the character to life off the page yeah. in a way where everybody else, their performance seems like diminished from what's on the mm-hmm. page. And it's not their fault because like the writing is diminished from what's on the page in the book. But this, yeah, this Ceres is like the one character who I feel like really blossoms on the show. Yeah. He goes the opposite direction of everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So many of the, the actors, um, I sort of like get the feeling that they were like, not badly directed, but maybe not, like, super well-directed. And then it's, like, so funny to, like, you're probably right that Harry Lloyd just is, like, the greatest actor, because I'm like, it would be so weird if the directors were all in on the series and were like, he's gotta be dynamite. (laughs) And he gives so many just, like, line reads that I would never have thought about. Like, when the girl pours wax on him and he's like, Ow. It's so weird and it works so well. Yeah, that scene is like whole cloth, right? Like that's not in the book. Yeah, it's totally new. Yeah. yeah. Um and it's like I just feel like he should have gotten an Emmy for that <laughs> scene. Like it's they pop so well in that scene together. And that that actress who 
is also that that character the the girl who's also like the one who teaches Danny how to fuck or whatever. Um, you know, I don't necessarily feel like she is walking around as like crackling with charisma. Yeah. Like she's she's totally fine. Um, but she's not like somebody who I'm like, whoa, she has star power. But in that scene, the two of them have like insane chemistry and they're playing off each other really well. And the way that they're like flirting and like joking and then like getting really horny but still kind of joking and like uh and then there's like this turn where he suddenly is just like he's you know he's a prissy little bitch so he starts being a bitch to her and she's like really sad and it just like really it plays so well it's like both of them are incredible in that scene and I feel like yeah because like you see her in scenes with other people and she doesn't pop that same way I'm like Harry Lloyd is, like, an incredible scene partner. Like, yeah. he, I think he, like, helped bring it out of her. Because I feel like he pops in every single scene that he's in. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's fucking great. I wish there was more of him. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's, that's such a funny thing with Viserys where it's, like, I mean, his deck scene is, like, fucking incredible. <laughs> and happened at, like, the right time in Daenerys' story. So it's, like, I get how narratively it wouldn't be better for there to be more of him, but I just, I want it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's they just so, need to do, like, a Twin Peaks and be like, oh, his cousin, who's identical, yeah. and a brunette. <laughs> um, talking about that bathtub scene, it's so funny how, like, one of the big things people made fun of about the show is, like, the gratuitous horniness, and it is, like, so funny that like three of the notable scenes they added that are not in the books are like the bathtub scene, Theon's whole relationship with Roz, who's an original character, and um, Littlefinger making those girls fuck while he gives his backstory. And I'm like, those are all incredible scenes. Like, I, like, there was that SNL that like joked about the idea that there's like one writer who just goes around adding boobs to the show. And I'm like, if that was true, I would be like, that guy's an incredible writer because those scenes fucking slap. And I honestly, like, I feel like as it goes on, they started having, like, more embarrassment or, like, dignity about it because, like, all my favorite sex scenes are early on. And I honestly feel like part of the backlash, which, again, not downplaying that it did get worse, but I do feel like there was a certain amount of people missing how sexy it was but not wanting to say that Uh, I totally see that yeah I I think I think you and I are both big advocates of like super horny media and like and like sex carrying story yeah um like sex is a great way to explore character and it's just fucking fun and like you know there's all there's like a discourse that pops up on Twitter every mm-hmm. couple months that's like, why are there so many unnecessary sex scenes? Like, because it's fun. Yeah. It's because you're watching something for fun and it's a fun thing to watch. <laughs> like, it's cool. Like, don't be weird about it. Why is it a problem? Like, fuck off. Um, it's, and I, I, yeah, I do feel like the way people talk about the show and like, you know, oh, and they put in all these sex scenes. It's like, you're not my mom. <laughs> why are you talking this way? Um, yeah, it's super weird, and I also feel like, I also feel like people talk about the show, like, being misogynistic, like, there's so much sexual violence, um, and look, 
I'm a big let, you know, I hosted Brad Easton, hell yes. <laughs> sure. I'm clearly, like, more of a sexual violence in media apologist than maybe your average show off the street. But I do feel like, I mean, fucking, yeah, there's sexual <laughs> violence. Like, um, even if I was not the kind of weirdo who enjoys depraved media... It just feels, like, right. Like, it feels like that's part of the world of this show. Like, people are killing each other. People are forcing each other into all kinds of horrible situations. Like, yeah, there's gonna be, like, dark sex stuff. Like, if you don't... If you're not into that, like, I get it, but, like... (laughs) Why are you watching the torture show? (laughs) Yeah, I do think I'm, like... I think a bit of a, like centrist both sidesers on this I think like probably part of it is that you've like mostly watched the early season that is true that is and true. I feel like there started being stuff later where like this there was stuff that annoyed me like um like Sansa's rape I feel like what was so upsetting about it is that that was like basically a Theon storyline. Like, I don't know if you've seen. I don't think I've okay. gotten that far. No. So, um, like, uh, what's the weird guy who kidnaps Theon's name? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I I know who you mean. Yeah, Bol- Bolton some something. Oh, Bolton. Ramsey. Yes. Okay. So you know, like Ramsey's got his torture thing with Theon, which I love. Very <laughs> pro that. Um. But so when he marries Sansa on their wedding night, he like makes Theon watch. And it's like the whole episode feels like it's about like Theon and like if he's going to step up and like be more heroic or if he's been beaten down. And like that kind of stuff I found like very annoying that it's like Sansa should be the main character in her own rape storyline. You know what That's I mean? Really okay, yeah. yeah, that is fair. I am mostly, I'm like basically just responding to season one when I say that. So if it is stuff in later seasons people are responding to, then my my critique <laughs> of their critique may not stand. Um, but yeah, definitely like gross stuff in general. I'm like, like there. I think there is yeah a lot where it like comes from a character, and you're like. Yeah, of like, of course, this Aries is pinching Daenerys's boob. Like, why would he not do yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Another thing that like just has to fall by the wayside in the adaptation because there's not time for everything is how how inbred the Targaryens are and how Daenerys is like, oh, I always assumed I would marry Viserys. <laughs> like, you know, she doesn't like especially want it, but it seems like she wants it in the way of like, yeah, that's like my inheritance is that I marry Viserys. Um, and that it's like so, so weird to be married off to anybody who's not, it's like not just that they're a different nation, a different race, like this isn't my brother. It's wrong for me to marry somebody who's not my brother. Uh, yeah, I just kind of, I'm kind of like sad that we miss, we, we drop um, that inbred storyline. Yeah, and especially like at, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're talking oh, about. I- I was just gonna say like it's yeah it's so funny how much like they completely cut it out like I remember there was a I don't know if you remember there was a weird bad tweet that was like can we stop with the trope where a guy raises a girl to marry her and I was like I've never fucking seen that and um but like I looked it up on tv tropes and Viserys Daenerys was listed there and at the time I'd only seen the show and I was like 
why would they think that? Like, his entire plot was marrying her to someone else. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's, it's also, like, it adds a really interesting layer to the Lannisters because they're, they are, like, still shamed and, like, you know, take, take their life in their hands um, to, to have their incestuous relationship, and it is taboo. But there's also, like, there's a part where, where Tyrion is like, well, the Targaryens married <laughs> brother to sister for... 300 years and no one had a problem with that and it's like yeah hey why shouldn't they get to have sex with each other and like the way I'm describing it now makes it sound like it just creates like a plot hole but I just think I think it makes like an interesting it adds an interesting texture it's like not the exact kind of shame that like a modern brother and Mm -hmm. sister would have there there's just like different different forces at play but they do have like a social script of in oh in those situations it's okay for brother and sister to fuck but like you guys are doing it incorrectly yeah i mean it's so interesting that it's like really the big thing is that like cersei's duty is to have the king's babies like she needs to marry the king and have the king's babies and so it's like incest isn't even the main thing it's just like you need to have a clean, like a clean bloodline because you are literally like the queen of this nation. Right. Like if you're not the queen, like fucking like whatever. Right. And I think like that's such a fun, uh, fun character is like person who's like my two wants are to fuck my twin brother all the time and be the absolute most powerful person in the kingdom. Oh, and unfortunately those. <laughs> I feel like I could just, you know, talk about Game of Thrones with you forever. I feel like I haven't been keeping track, but I think enough time has passed that this is a acceptable podcast length, so we could cut it off if you don't think you have anything, uh, anything else you really wanted to get in. Hmm, that's a great question. Okay. Can we pause for a second while I go to the bathroom? Yeah. Katie. Are you ready to do some freaking, some reading? Oh, yeah, let's do this. All right. Uh, I am going to give the book four stars. Fucking phenomenal. I cannot believe I enjoyed a 700-page fantasy book as much as I did. Uh, and then I'm going to give season one of the show. Uh, I know I've rated this before, and I'm probably going to be inconsistent. I think I probably gave it three last time, but I'm going to give it 3.5. It's like a great kind of, like, it's basically become like a comfort watch to me where I'll, like, throw Game of Thrones on. You don't have to pay attention to every scene. You'll just be like, ooh, this is the one where this happens. Uh, It's a great time. Yeah, very nice. Are you, or is it a scale of one to five stars? So I'm going to give the book um, four and a half stars. Um, You know, I reserve five stars for Mm -hmm. a handful of, life-changing works and usually usually I don't give anything five stars the first time I read it so I could easily reread it someday and give it five um but yeah short of being like a transcendental like life-changing work it's like I think it's perfect like it's so fucking fun really swept me up into the world and even characters I didn't think I was gonna give a shit about like I gave a shit about everybody like it was great yeah I just to clarify yeah I totally agree like I give it four but it is like objectively perfect it's just like five is like stuff that's like personal to me yeah right totally totally yeah um so yeah and I yeah I 
this was not my genre at all. I don't like like epics. I'm not really into like adventure or like fantasy novels. And when I read this, and I was like, maybe I am now. <laughs> I guess I didn't know they could be like this. So yeah, incredible book. Um, four point five stars for that. And I'm also gonna give the series uh, three and a half stars. It's um, it's B plus. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's it's a fun way to revisit the characters that I now have a relationship with because I've read the book. Um, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun watch. Um, it's, it's sexy watch. <laughs> there's good, there's good performances. Um, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's like an amazing show or like a perfect show, but it's, it's got, it's, it's got some real good stuff in there. Yeah. We're, you know, we're coming off like basically an entire decade of having to have extremely strong Game of Thrones opinions. <laughs> and I think we as a nation are ready to be like, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. All right, so I like to end on a recommendation. And uh, the way it works is that uh, since you liked the book better, you're going to recommend a different show for fans of the book. Cool. So um, I kind of hate to do it because it's like the it show of the moment um but my my rec so hope, but hopefully this hits the ears of at least one person who's not already watching it um my recommendation is succession um so obviously succession is set in like a contemporary corporate world so the kind of like the the color of it is different but the the core kind of dynamics are can be very game of thronesy it's just like this one super powerful guy who is like driven by weird petty grievances and just like a, a thirst for power and will just like do insane plow, power play shit for no reason um, and then like all all the little minions scurrying around like fighting over who gets to take over next um, so I think it has like the the like complicated web of dynamics and it has it's like an incredible ensemble cast the way that the book is is like all these incredible characters the show. Uh, like once you get into it like every single character even the ones who are kind of just like relegated to the sidelines they have these really like clearly deep backstories and there'll just be like glances that aren't even the camera doesn't even focus on them but like two characters share a glance or there's like a little nod and you're like oh what's the story there like you can tell you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg um so it really kind of captures these really complex interpersonal dynamics um, and captures like the sort of uh, <laughs> complex like sad sadness slash egotism of people raised with like extreme wealth and privilege um, in a way that that reminds me of of Game of Thrones. Uh, so it's really it pulls off the kind of thing that I wish a Game of Thrones television adaptation had been able to do. Um, yeah, so so Game of Thrones <laughs> Succession is my recommendation. Yeah, I let you go first because I was gonna recommend Succession, and I was like, I bet Katie will also say that. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I did not have a backup, so thank you. Yeah, so I'm gonna do my backup. Uh, I'm gonna say, even though it's very different from either of those shows, Gossip Girl. Those three, like, Succession, Game of Thrones, and Gossip Girl, despite all being pretty different, are really my trifecta of shows I recommend for just, like, stuff where, like, everyone has these, like, very strong relationships and motivations, and the the just like the plot moves in such a way where it's just like 
who has a crush on who or like who is sad about their dad or whatever just like matters so much and like you know so many people talk about like I don't care about plot I just like watch for like characters uh you know I just watch for like characters and relationships but like when you see it done right you realize like how much like a good, good plot like those shows had early on uh, <laughs> really makes all that stuff shine. Yeah. Can I ask, because I had uh, another show in mind that I thought maybe you were going to suggest. Mm. Um, I haven't seen enough to know, but I'm curious. Do you think The Boys is good for enjoyers of Game of Thrones? Ooh, interesting. Can I ask what like made you connect those two? I feel like it's mostly... The, like, you know, there's, like, an upper class of people who mm, are, like, super yeah. powerful and, like, have too much, have too much sway over what happens in society, and it also seems like there's a lot of, like, weird psychosexual biz. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that, but now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, like, first off, guys, whew, okay, Game of Thrones and the boys, now that you mention it, are definitely the only two shows with sex stuff where I'm like, that was insane. <laughs> this changed me as a person. You do comics on this podcast, right? Oh, yeah. You yeah. should come back to do The Boys. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it. A lot of people are like, I can't believe the show's good because that is the worst comic I've ever read. So I think that would be a really fun one to do. All right. Booking it now. All right. Um, yeah. And like, Homelander is definitely like very Joffrey where you're just like this guy's such a fucking pathetic twerp how is it possible for him to ruin everyone this bad <laughs> alright I'm excited to watch it yeah alright uh, thank you so much for listening everybody Katie do you have any plugs for, for all the listeners who are crying out for her Katie after this oh well of course uh, you can follow me on twitter at Katie Librady. It's like library, but also like Katie. L I B R A D I E. And uh, have another project in pre production. You can watch this space for that. Um, <laughs> not ready to announce it yet, but we've got something coming. Um, and you can also check the back episodes of Brett Easton Hell Yes, the best and only Brett Easton Ellis fan podcast. On a definite hiatus, because uh, we did everything. There's nothing left to talk about. Uh, but yeah, if you like American Psycho, or just like, you know, problematic men, uh, <laughs> check it out. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye. Do you want to learn falsehoods? Do you want to learn the not-truths? Do you want to go to hell? Join Eric McAdams, Alea Plotney, and Liam Sr. as they go to hell. We Are Experts <laughs> is a podcast on the Major Cast Network. Each episode, we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content. And then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end. But not too much. Just a little. Tune into We Are Experts. Wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. 
Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.